Hi, it's Greg and Lucky. And this is our podcast. If you don't catch us from 5 to 9, this is what you missed. It's uh, probably no secret that what happens on reality shows is often completely divorced from reality. Um, a bunch of people on Reddit shared the nightmares they experienced when they were on various home makeover shows. Some of them are, uh, you know, you, you watch these things, and we're all in awe of, of what goes down. Right. And, you know, if you've had any renovations done in your home, I mean, I, I've had, I've got lights that need to be installed uh, from the renos we did like seven years ago. So, <laughs> you know, things take a lot longer in reality than uh-huh. they do. These, these shows, they go in over a long weekend right. and, and redo a whole house. Um, but uh, that's actually not the case. And so these people who have been involved, uh, had their homes uh, involved in the makeover shows, shared these stories. We were on a backyard makeover show, somebody said. It was done super cheap and fast. They decorated it super nice for the reveal. And then they took away all the decorations, which actually made it look good. Two weeks after the show, our backyard was very soggy and smelled like poop. Turns out they had dug up our sewer line when they put in a pond, and sewage was going everywhere. Friends were on a show a few years ago. Somebody shared it was a super intense three weeks of filming, and uh, the redesign looked great on camera. In reality, it was literally things stuck together with staples and tape. No doubt. And the show, my my friend said, uh, after the show, my friend took two weeks off to rebuild everything properly. Huh. Yeah, the other problem, too, with any kind of home reno, if you've done any, uh, you might have experienced this. Certainly for, for me, it happens all the time. You'll have somebody come in and do whatever the renovation is, and then somebody else will say come in and do, like, if you're having new air put in or somebody. You'll have different people doing different tasks. And every time I've had any reno done, the next person that comes in to do something complains about the bad, the shoddy work the yeah. guy before him did. Yeah, I, we had actually gotten as far as the interview stages um, to uh, to do a reality show reno- renovation, actually. Oh, really? And, uh, yeah. Well, and it was, and I can't remember how it really came about. It's when Adrian was pregnant with Evan, and they had a show that was basically around that, like, a rush reno mm, for, for a baby. You know, baby coming kind of thing. And um and uh, we were in the process of like kind of starting to renovate our basement anyway at that mm. point, or talking about it. Uh, but I remember uh, they it came down to okay, well, how much money do you have to put into this? Mm. Uh, because basically, the, you know, they cover most of the labor uh, for that, um, and they can get you some deals on product, right? Um, for product placement stuff. But whatever our budget was, like half of it was to go, they wanted to go to new furniture and mm. furnishings for the reveal. They wanted the wow reveal, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, my plan was to put old couches down in the basement. <laughs> Shocking surprise. For a lazy boy from your dad. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Now, it's funny that you say you were in the process of starting these basement renovations because you just, in the last few years... Finish that right. basement renovation. Yeah. See, that's a great example of how long these things actually take. It takes a long you, time. You're like a dozen years in the right. process of <laughs> doing I'm that still basement. Now, and it's funny because I mean, like, and I watch those renovation shows all the time. Some of them are are legit. Uh, I would feel like, like like the homes on homes things. I don't think they're rushing a lot of that, you know, to uh, to to for a big reveal. In some of it, most behind the scenes stuff in terms of finding the issues with houses, mm. uh, I think those are are actually legit. And 
you know, you can see sometimes that, you know, it, it goes from spring to winter by mm. the time the project is finished. You know, it might be a half hour episode, but they're not they're not finishing up in that quickly. I that, that Holmes guy is a great example because the odd time that I've seen him and I haven't watched it very much. But the odd time that I have seen it, he's one of those guys who goes in and just constantly nitpicks everybody else's right. work. Yeah. And, and I can tell well, that's, if, that's what the basis of his show, show was, is. Right? Yeah. But I can tell if, if you're a, a home renovation guy and you're listening to us right now uh, i can tell you that w- more than uh giving your client knowledge you're making them feel like an idiot i think because every time i've had somebody come in and tell me what the last guy did was wrong i feel like i was a fool who right. got taken yeah and and well some of it for homes was that some of it was going after home inspectors as well and i wonder now like mm. you know with the way that the market is people don't even use home inspections oh, not anymore. anymore no uh, and i wonder if part of that might be like kind of the homes factor where you really realize oh my goodness there's so much that they can't see because it's behind walls Mm -hmm. and and so that it really doesn't make sense i mean every home i've bought has had a home inspection as part of the deal right yeah you're right though nobody does it anymore because the deal has to turn over so fast but listen the last home inspector i had with the house that we live in now told me the basement had never had a drop of water in it so (laughs) I, i i know that for the longest time it was a requirement of banks right they would say well we want a home inspection and and so you kind of realize after a while that most of these home inspectors it's very very rare that a house gets denied because the bank wants the house to go through right they want the deal you know anyhow yeah i uh i i I, every time i watch these shows i mean i don't i don't know uh how any of them are as uh, uh beautifully done as they look and obviously that's not the case uh, Extreme Makeover Home Edition. Have you watched this show? Yeah, that's the one uh, that was done in the states. Yeah, uh, Ty Pennington was on that for a while, and they, yeah, they that, they make over in like a week. Yeah, and you know they're throwing that together. Uh, it was completed, as you said, in one week. The home had a number of problems. The owner went back to Extreme Makeover to fix everything and was told, "You get this for free. Fix it yourself." Wow. Somebody said I interned for Extreme Makeover Home Edition in the early two thousands, and I guess this is a U.S. thing. Uh, their taxes go through the roof. Tons of uh, yes. families on it end up selling everything that was put in the house, computers, appliances, just to help pay off the property. I heard taxes. that as well because basically they'd come over, you know, to your house, let's say, yeah. and say, okay, well, the, the poo hut, uh, we will like destroy it, yeah, and uh, and rebuild completely new on it. The only problem is, you know, now when you've got you know a four thousand square foot home with three car garage. The city will come back and say, yeah. uh, wait a minute, that's that's not what that was zoned for, and so your taxes go that, way up. And that, obviously, is just a U.S. thing, or is that here as well? No, that's a U.S. Yeah, show. yeah. Well, it's kind of like the Oprah, uh, you know, giving the cars away, right, and then nobody yeah. could keep them because they uh, they owed all the taxes. But if you had, like, the rentals done through that show you were almost on, right? our taxes don't go up here because of that. Uh, well, I guess you'd have to, you know, declare, you know, with all the permits and everything, your taxes might go up if you... If if it changes, if it has an addition, it right. changes the square footage of your home. There's a good chance that you know at least your insurance will go up too. Sure, yeah, no, that's and it's so funny because anytime you do, like who who out of all of us has done home renovations and actually gone in and got a permit and does all this stuff? Well, I mean, if you're using a, a, a proper contractor, likely they'll have to go do some of it, right? Yeah, perhaps. You'll need inspectors to come through. I've used proper contractors and I've never seen the <laughs> permit paperwork. <laughs> 
Look who joins us for Halinda's Meats. It's Ted Reader. Um, Ted, so yesterday uh, I decided I wanted to make uh, burritos for dinner. And I was at the uh, grocery store getting my uh, my stuff. And there was a, a lady standing there with her kid grabbing their groceries. And the kid turns to his mom and says, can we have tacos tonight? And the mom said, well, no, we're having something else. And it got me thinking as I was going to prepare a Mexican-style dish. And this young child wanted a Mexican-style dish. The boy, Mexican food... Not only delicious, but very, very popular. Uh, when Teddy Reader would make a burrito, I could only imagine what that burrito would get stuffed with. What would a Teddy Reader burrito look like? Uh, Teddy Reader burrito. Well, one, you need the the a big wrap, right? Okay. Yeah, Whether right. it be a, f- a flour flour tortillas, corn tortillas, but flour works really well, nice and big, mm-hmm. and you want to toast those up. When I'm making a lot of, I did tacos the other night actually, okay. and uh, but we didn't do burritos, we did tacos, and I used uh, like five inch street taco shells, right? Okay, and I take them and I put a, I make a salsa. And I spread that all over top, or I take a hot sauce, whatever one you want, and I spread that over the taco, and I sprinkle a little bit of cheese, and then I fire up my oven, and I and I bake those for a few minutes until the cheese just melts. And then you can put all your taco fillings on top. But at the joint, if I was going to be making a burrito, it would be one, I would definitely have a little bit of rice in there. I'd probably make a yellow rice, a Mexican-style rice. And then um, there would be a ton of brisket, mm. right? Mm-hmm. Some roasted poblano peppers that are peeled, nicely charred, some onions in there. We'd definitely have some cheese all mixed in with that. And uh, roll it up nice and tight and then have some sauces on the side to, to garnish with. If you wanted to make your guacamole, you could. You could do your salsas, all the, all the different things that you want to put in your burrito. And that's really it. It's simple, right? Mm-hmm. You want lots of meat and a little bit of rice. You don't want lots of rice and a little bit of meat. You want lots of meat. And roll it up and eat it that way. That's how it is. Simple. You don't have to go crazy. And I think the real appeal with, with Mexican food, especially tacos, and when it comes to kids, is that you can choose what you want mm-hmm. in them, right? It, it's not pre-made for you. You get to kind of select. And so if you know a picky eater, mm-hmm. not speaking personally. <laughs> Don't know anybody in this room. <laughs> then, uh, then at least you get you get your options in there. And I guess from the parent's standpoint, Ted, you can really kind of use up a lot of stuff around the house, you know, meat-wise too. Because uh, anything like pulled pork, uh, it doesn't just have to be beef, chicken, shrimp, anything can go in there. Well, I, I made buttered chicken the other day and had leftover chicken, so I shredded the chicken up, and that went onto our tacos. Wow, nice! And nice. so, right, you use you, you so you get a little different flavor. But I mean, my question to you, Lucky, is how would you even handle eating Mexican food? I mean, the slightest <laughs> hint of heat, you'd be like crying for a week. Ah, it's it's okay. <laughs> my my plumbing system is very good. <laughs> Like, I, I, I could never see you going to Mexico on a vacation. It would just, you'd be, like, done. I, I have. I, I, I have been. I have sampled street tacos as well. Wow. Uh, you know, but listen, I wasn't that far from the from the hotel, so I could run back <laughs> if I had to. Uh, and, and really, I mean, that, and that's the other beauty of it. You can spice to your own level as well, right? Because, you know, personally, I wouldn't be adding the poblano peppers to it. But, mm. you know, you could put green pepper and green onion or whatever it may be. If you want to make it milder, you can, right? Well, just to let you know, poblano peppers are pretty mild. Mm. 
Okay, yeah. like it's the jalapenos that started up, the habaneros that get even hotter, the scotch bonnets. Then you throw in the ghost peppers, the balut jalokis, right? You get the Carolina Reaper, and then you watch Lucky's head explode. Right. <laughs> now, I will admit the uh, the burritos that we made last night, because I have a vegetarian in the house, were vegetarian. Oh, <laughs> Actually, but they were really good, Ted. I took, I took uh, uh, spinach and refried beans, and I found in the store, you know, uh, Kraft Macaroni and Cheese, the... Yeah. Yeah. The, the cheese they got it now as a seasoning just a powder it's a powder so i i took like garlic and onions and i fried them all up in garlic butter and then the spinach and then the the refried beans mixed them all in together and then just dumped a bunch of that kd uh seasoning in oh it oh my goodness and then, and then i wrapped them and dumped all hot uh, salsa all over it and cheese and baked it in the oven it sounds like your burrito would look like the aftermath of me eating a burrito <laughs> No, <laughs> scary. But you know what? You know, you could do a great, a great vegetarian burrito with with grilled, like grilled mushrooms or mm. grilled zucchini, roasted peppers, all kinds of different vegetables that can go into it and make mm. it delicious. That's for sure. <laughs> but living with one of those people, it's just crazy. Well, it's crazy. Fun. I'm telling yeah. you, I don't know how you do it. It, it, it. With Lucky and a burrito, and he's at the counter, and they go, "Okay, what do you want in it? Steak." <laughs> What else? <laughs> steak. My, my Just son. give me steak. Yeah, that's right. And David, like David, my, my youngest, is much like Lucky, you know, a p- very picky eater. When he was a kid and we'd go and get burgers or something, he'd say to the waiter or waitress, uh, what comes on the burger? And they'd say, lettuce, tomato, pickle. He'd go, I want none of that. <laughs> that that's that's I'm lucky. I'm a little more adventurous. I will share this hack to you. If you're having hard tacos at any point, Ted, put a soft wrap uh, tortilla over your plate and they eat your hard tacos over top of it. Ooh. So everything that spills and drips down Brilliant. just drips into your fajita. And then you wrap that up and eat it at the final. Look, look at the kid. See? He is thinking outside the box, right? <laughs> Going way the distance there. Thinking outside the taco shell. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. No, it's uh, me- Mexican food. It's, it's one of those things that, you know, I, I, I think when it comes to different uh, cultures and food, everybody would go Italian or whatever, chi- order in Chinese. And, but Mexican, I, I really think, has become hugely popular. Oh, it, it's fantastically popular. Yeah. The only the only issue I have is that when you got a plan, when you're when you're going to have taco night, you have to actually plan three four days in advance. Because if you want to have a ripe avocado, mm. you got to buy them three four days <laughs> in advance so that they can get ripe enough so that you could have them on taco day. Yeah, right. And that's the problem is you never ever go into a grocery store and get an avocado that's perfect and ready and I can use that tonight. Like you scour the whole. Mm-hmm. bin full of avocados and all you get is rock hard, rock hard, rock hard. It's so a little a- hack is when you get those avocados home, put them in a brown paper bag and put them on your counter and they'll ripen mm-hmm. a little bit faster. This used to be the trick with tomatoes. I remember when I, when I was a kid, my parents would grow tomatoes. They'd have them all in paper bags uh. on the counter yeah, and ripen them up. Yeah. At Lucky's house, they just put him in a paper bag. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm always right. It's all right. <laughs> All right, Teddy, if people want to talk barbecue, they want to talk the joint, they want to talk Mexican or any type of, any type of grilling, how do they get a hold of you, pal? Oh, you'll find me in the social media world, at Ted Grills or at Ted Reader Barbecue, the joint. The Wright brothers, you know, the brothers of Orville and uh, what was the other one's name, Wilbur? Right. They uh, invented the airplane. Kitty Hawk, North Carolina. Uh, yeah. They promised they'd never fly together. So at least one would continue their work in the event of a fatal crash. Oh, okay. It's kind of like when couples do that weird thing, when they're a little overzealous about children. Right. And they decide, 
Well, now we got kids. We have to go on separate flights. Do you go yeah. in separate cars everywhere you go? No. Yeah. I uh, boy, I had an uncle that would, would that was like that. I remember when we take a family trip, he's like, "Oh yeah, we'll take a." They took a different flight. That's insane. Uh huh. Did he die in a plane crash? No. No. Okay. Good. No. It's well, whatever. Um, uh, there's only one exception to their rule. In 1910, they shared a six-minute flight from Dayton, Ohio, where Orville piloted and Wilbur was the passenger. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, uh, I, in their time, I can understand it a bit. Sure. <laughs> I mean, other than the fact that it was just like, okay, there probably wasn't room for two on most of their planes. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's they were just testing it out for the first time. They got in a fight, though, because um, Wilbur wouldn't wear his mask. (laughs) Orville had to kick him off. (laughs) Ernest Hemingway set a world record for fishing in 1938 by catching seven marlins in one day. Wow. Hmm. The SOX in Boston Red Sox and Chicago White Sox isn't just supposed to be a weird spelling of the word Sox, S-O-C-K-S. Yes. It's the shortened form of stockings. Oh. Yeah. On average, 3,234 of us end up in the emergency room every year from tanning bed injuries. <laughs> I assume most of those injuries involve staying in it too long. Yeah, burns, fainting, eye injuries. Right. Yeah. You know, knocking your head on the way in and out. Just have a tanning bed. When the lovely Maria ran her aesthetics business, she ended up uh, with a tanning bed that somehow ended up in our basement. And when we moved from one house to the other, it had to come out of our basement rather fast. Oh. It's not light. (laughs) (laughs) They're very heavy. Is that what the movers who moved it told you? (laughs) (laughs) No, that's what my nephew and I found out. When the movers we hired... Cheap is expensive, didn't show up on time, and all of our stuff ended up on the front lawn because the new family moving into our house. Really? Oh, yeah, it was a nightmare. So we hired this company. We're moving over the Labor Day weekend. And this is where I learned the term cheap is expensive. Gotcha. Because I got quotes that went from thousands of dollars to to hundreds of dollars. And so I went with the hundreds of dollars guy. And uh, he said, oh, yeah, no problem, no problem, no problem. We'll be there on whatever the day was heading into the Labor Day weekend. And I think the deal was we had to be out of the house by 4 in the afternoon or something. I can't remember. It's a long time ago now. Anyhow, uh, he shows up with, like, he shows up at about, say if we had to be out at 4, he showed up at about 3.45 (laughs) with, like, a station wagon to move us. Claimed his other trucks were either broken down or on the road with other... Right. With other clients. So in the meantime, the people who had bought our house had a massive transport truck sitting in the street that they were paying for. Yeah. They ended up suing us because we didn't get out of there till like 7 o'clock at night or something. We yeah. So we ended up hand bombing all of our stuff on the front lawn so that they could at least start taking their <laughs> stuff inside. And then it started raining. Still married. Still married. Still married. And you wonder why I drink as much wow, as I well, do. Well, speed of which, at least, at least we know a mover now. You drink at his pub. <laughs> That's right. We got a guy. We got a guy. How did your furnace get moved in yesterday? Was that okay? Uh, I, I helped lift it, did but it, it got in. Good, good, good. Yeah. So you got warmth once again. Oh, it's nice. Uh, the North Pole doesn't have any land masses. It's only ice floating on water. Okay. Yeah. No land underneath? Well, I guess it would be so far down. Who cares? Yeah. 
Who's going to go? Who's really going to go and take a shovel in that temperature <laughs> to find out? Hawaiian pizza. Where do you think it was invented? Canada. That's right. Ontario, to be exact. Yeah. 1962. And we still fight over whether pineapple should be on pizza. You know what? We talked the other day about ketchup on grilled cheese mm. and the reactions that it gets from people. Mm-hmm. Pineapple on pizza is the same thing. Yeah. Like, it, it is a, it is, and it's not like a, well, I could go for it or not go for it. Mm. It's, it's either, yeah. you know, I want it and crave it or I want it nowhere near it. Yeah. If you eat it, you should die or I love it. Right. And, and. Yeah, that's why we have separate pizzas in our household. Oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> Who likes the pineapple? Uh, the kids yeah. like it. Adrian tolerates it. I won't. Oh, really? You can't, eh? I, I, I can't do pineapple on pizza. I, I don't care. I'm fine with it. But then again, I'm uh, the only thing I think I've determined that I don't want on pizza is chicken. I find it so dry. Okay. Well, see, but here's the thing. You can pick a piece of chicken off of a pizza, yeah. and it'll still taste fine. Mm. I find the same thing goes for mushrooms and most toppings that are on there. Mm. Once pine- It's like pickle. Once pineapple has hit it, it all tastes like pineapple to me. Yeah, don't start with me in the pickles. I could, I could live on right. pickles. We were doing, Daniel had something called a pickleback he was serving up yesterday. These are shots of pickle juice and, like, rye or something. Jeez, what? what, what? Where, where do you get... Well, I guess you get pickle juice delivered from pickles. Save Isn't that the drinking vinegar? He's basically, yeah. I've been I've been eating like crazy because Maria made me uh, my pickled onions a couple of years ago. Right. So I've been downing those every day. Mm, so good with lunch. <laughs> Big pickled onion, like a full onion <laughs> in vinegar. You you would die. Yeah, pretty much. You would die. You wouldn't you wouldn't last one week living at my house. Not a chance. Um, cows can walk downstairs. They can walk downstairs. It's very difficult for them, and they only do it if they have to. Right. Rather, they'd rather take an elevator. Yeah. <laughs> or, or one of those, what is the, uh, the, the, to the chair on the wall oh, for the old uh, people? Yeah, the acorn stairlift. Yeah. yeah, they like those. The cows like that. <laughs> it works even when the power goes out. That's right. Christian, uh, Christian has watched that commercial. I don't know what, what show it was on. That we were watching, but it came on so much that uh, he recommends that to every adult that he <laughs> That's meets. So great, yeah! You should get that for them for Christmas, right? Uh, most of the movie Gangs of New York was filmed in Italy <laughs> on sets designed to look like New York in the 19th century. Wow! Yeah, well, New York looks too modern now, right? True. Italy's right. still very old looking. Pamela Anderson was the first baby born in Canada on July 1st, 1967, Canada's our 100th anniversary. So she got media coverage as the country's centennial baby. Started that young. Yeah. Yeah. She was in a red bathing suit. Mm-hmm, she was. <laughs> and on a beach. Yeah. Actually, I think she got her start. She was spotted, I want to say, at a um, CFL game, BC Lions. I yes, guess. I think so too. Right, she, and I think Labatt ended up hiring her as a as a model because she was spotted on camera in the in the stands. The words vanilla and vagina Duh. come from the same Latin root word. It's because the shape of vanilla when it grows resembles a vajayjay. Yeah, we, men can't find that bean either. <laughs> I, like many people, when it comes to Netflix, would be probably a little embarrassed if you were to see my uh, line of (laughs) shows I'm watching. Because it really is all over the place, uh, from F is for Family, uh, but and then there's like...
um, old movies with Will Ferrell in it, a couple of those showing up. But then it really extends to a lot of serial killer documentaries. As much as like Netflix and streaming is is for us to kind of get away from our lives, escape for a little yeah. bit, I think there's a big part of it, a chunk of it there too, where we just want to know that we're we're not abnormal, right? Like, like we're we're better. Well, at least I'm not a serial killer. <laughs> I'm better than that guy. Yes, yeah, so that's right. You know, I'm the same way. I've watched so much of that stuff. Yeah, that you know when it looks in my browsing history, or more importantly, the suggested things. I look at it and go, "Why the hell would I want to watch that? Why is it, everything so dark?" Yeah, and so uh, over Christmas, uh, and luckily I was, I guess, mature enough to steer clear over Christmas. But I kept noticing in my, uh, you know, things suggested for Craig which is not good, was this Times Square Killer uh, documentary. Oh, I don't think I know it. <clears throat> oh, it hasn't shown up in your window no. yet? Oh, you got to go check it out. No. Uh, well, the kids have been on my profile watching Brooklyn Nine-Nine, so maybe it's not showing yeah, up now. No, that's probably the case. Um, so the story is, and the documentary is very good, because it not only does it focus on this guy, Richard Cottingham uh, was his name, is his name. He's still alive and in prison for life, 75 now. But he was known as the Torso Killer or the Times Square Torso Ripper. Oh. So you know you're in for some fun with this guy. Right. Um, and so it tells the story of uh, he was charged, I think, with 11 uh, victims of killing of 11 women. But he claims, because you like to have the bragging rights, that he killed between 85 and 100 women in his time. Uh, all ba- all his murders started kind of late 60s and into the early 80s, all in Times Square in New York City. And what this documentary does, which is a little different from most, is it gives you the backstory as to how a guy like Richard Cottingham was able to get away with what he did for so long. Right. Because in Times Square in the 70s, it was just porn and prostitutes and peep shows it was just the seediest place and 42nd street was the hub of it all uh it's where every every other balls were dropping every night just on new year's it was you okay i'm gonna tell you you gotta see this thing but not with the family around right it was one guy who they interview who in the 70s him and his wife did a live sex show like eight times a day Whoa. They were having, yeah. From it, Times Square? Inside of a theater. People would pay. They'd sit around like like you'd sit around to watch strippers. Really? They'd sit around and they'd watch these two have sex on the floor of a state. It was a seedy, seedy time. No doubt. And so uh, you get the backstory uh, uh, of all of this. And so women were coming and going to the Port Authority, where the bus terminal is in New York. You know, runaways from all over America, that's where they'd end up. Right, and, they'd yeah. end up and, and, and pimps would just hang out there. And, and get them onto the street the second they got off the bus. So there's whole, this whole backstory. And this is why he was able to get away with what he did for so long, because these prostitutes and these young girls were just disappearing all the time. And uh, there's all sorts of craziness in it. Anyhow, so uh, I had watched the first episode, I guess, and, and uh, I was getting into the second when I got home yesterday. And it's about 10 a.m., it was a sunny day yesterday, if I remember correctly. Windows, I got the blinds all up. And and my uh, oldest is working from home, so he's downstairs. His girlfriend is a teacher, so of course she's not back in yet. So she's roaming around the house, having her morning toast and tea, leading a very pleasant, normal, healthy existence. And there I am on the couch, 
watching this documentary on porn in the 70s. She's walking by and there's glimpses of naked women and men and women doing things and, and the whole backstory to this thing. And I just thought, this, this, there's something wrong about this, that a grown man is, first of all, at home at 10 a.m. Right. On, a, on a Tuesday and sitting in front of the TV watching porn document, porn serial killer documentaries. <laughs> And she's not saying anything, and no. I'm not saying anything. And I, 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 it was it got so graphic and bad at one point that I wanted to, to get back to the serial killing because that was easier to deal with. Right. Anyhow, this guy was just a treat. I mean, he was chopping off heads and arms. And wow. all. Oh, yeah, just a nutcase. I was watching another documentary on Monday, actually, about uh, serial killers in America. Yeah. And, and yeah, it's more like kind of a study of them, but right. most of them are dead, right? Bundy's gone, Dollar right. was killed. All the most, great ones. Yeah, the, 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 the top ten that are, <laughs> yeah. are, are falling by the wayside. Yeah. But one that was there was that BTK killer in, in Kansas. And, mm. it would, and his story was just so crazy that he went on this spree from like, like the 70s to the early Early 90s and then stopped oh really right and like disappeared huh and they had heard nothing nothing about him um until uh like the 30th anniversary of his first killing came about and he had never been caught and so mm. like uh, uh one of the local news outlets was doing a story on the 30th anniversary of it uh and then in that said a book was being someone was writing a book hmm. and i guess that he saw it, pissed him off, and said, no, no, he wanted the, the notoriety nar- the narcissistic, And there was the narcissist of the ego attached to it. And then he started writing letters again. But mm-hmm. with DNA and all sorts of different technologies, they were able to track him down because of it. The guy had started a completely, he had, he had kids, mm. a wife, married, and was a conservation officer or something like that. He was just, he had gone into a normal life. Wow. And then sprung right back out of it. Yeah, this guy, this Richard Cottingham, same thing. He's married, uh, had three kids, lived in Jersey, yeah. in a nice little subdivision. You know, you, you'd never suspect. But, And I guess all the serial killers came from that period of the 70s and into the 80s because as modern science and uh, investigation became uh, better and uh, right. DNA testing and all that, these guys were not able to get away with what they got away with. Did you ever watch Mindhunter? Yes, I did. It's great. Yeah, that was oh, a good yeah. one, too. Yeah, no. I'm, in the evenings, I watch Frasier <laughs> just to <laughs> blend it out a bit. A woman gave birth to twins over the weekend, over the past, uh, over the, uh, uh, the New Year's weekend, about 15 minutes apart. So uh, they were in different years. Ah, right. Her son was born at 11.45 on Friday. Then his uh, sister born at exactly midnight, just seconds into 2022. The hospital posted a photo of them online. And they're all doing great. Uh, We've seen this happen before, but the odds are still pretty crazy. Around one in two million chances of delivering twins in different years. There was even a set of twins near Boston born in different millenniums, one in 2000 and one in 2001. That is so, <laughs> it's so crazy because like if you think about the potential of what could happen there, like they'd be in different school years, mm. born 15 minutes apart. Yeah. Right? Or could be, likely no, but it's pretty crazy. It, it, it always seems to me that uh, when you find out you're having twins, there's a, that excitement moment. And then I would think the absolute panic of how the hell are we going to deal with this? Right. Yeah. I remember friends who had twins and, and just, you know, we were going through the, the baby stages at the same times. And 
it, the, the regimented schedule that mm. they had to have for feedings, sleepings, changings, baths, all of that. It was just unreal. <laughs> you know, I, I, when, when, when you say about the routine, that for me really was the hardest part uh, of being a, a father and and trying to get into that routine of not just living for yourself. Mm. You know, the um, I remember so often we would be going somewhere when we had uh, Daniel and just the... Just the chaos that ensued to get out the door, to get somewhere, to to turn around and have to go home because he needs to go to bed. Right. And like, why do we ever leave the house? <laughs> like, I'm not. I wish, I wish a pandemic had hit in 1994. It would have been a lot easier. We wouldn't have gone anywhere. Every now and then, like, the kids would have, like, a sleepover or something like that. And Andrew and I would leave the house. And it basically just pick up. Got the keys and leave. Mm. I'm like, wow. Like, what? This is so crazy. Yeah. No, I know. You're out of the house in like two minutes. Remember, one of our biggest fights uh, was uh, debate. Um, <laughs> yes, that's right. Was uh, a <laughs> conversation. When we lived up in Caledon and her brother lived in Richmond Hill. So it was a bit of a hike. And I remember this one Saturday or Sunday. We got up. We decided we were going to go for a visit. By the time we packed the car, got organized, Got to Richmond Hill, got in the house, had, I think, one beer and a hello. And Maria's like, we got to go. He needs to be fed and put to bed. Like, so, well, what, what was the, what was the point? <laughs> you wonder why there's traffic, uh, like the highway's still busy at like 1, 2 o'clock in the afternoon. Because yeah. it's nap time. <laughs> That's the only time you can leave the house. Well, we can go now. They can nap in the car. When we get there, they'll be awake. So I've been watching this uh, F is for Family uh, animated sitcom. Uh, Bill Burr produced it and, and voices a lot of it. And it's all based, I think, on his childhood and growing up in the 70s. And he's probably, well, he's got to be around my age, give or take, a little younger. But enough of his memories from the 70s that he, uh, there's some great moments that take me right back to like, you know, having a kid just sitting in the passenger seat at the front. Yeah, in between you. Yeah, oh yeah. The father, like, constantly drunk and driving everywhere. You know, the ashtray in the car, you could sleep a baby <laughs> in, in the... Uh, there's one moment when they have a, a third child, and so they got the um, the baby in the, the little seat, and uh, he has to take the kid somewhere. And he's really upset because he's got to now strap the kid in. And say, so, oh, when, when did it become so important? Oh, right. When, when do we have to start? I know. And now it's, you know. Can you imagine if we had social media back then, oh. too? Right. People screaming at that. Oh. And you look now at, like, baby seats and carriages. I mean, they're built like tanks. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah. in fact, you, like, you know, you they have uh, dedicated days where the police are out in parking lots to help you learn to strap right. these things in. Yeah. I remember having to change them. We ended up, I think we had four car seats at one point. Really? Or two. Yeah, just because I got tired of changing it from one car to the other. Now, one in every car. So, um, we have in his 12 now. Yes. And just out of the car seat. I was going to say, what size car seat is he, <laughs> is he sitting in? Rock Mornings with, with Craig Venn and Lucky. 94.9 The Rock.